0: Of quick announcements, I want to remind you, uh, our 30-day revival starts Saturday night. Starts at six o'clock. At five o'clock, we're going to kick it off uh, with Western Burgers over in the FLC. So plan to be here, uh, be praying about uh, the entire event that God would take it and that He would use it. Uh, plan to invite folks to join you to be part of that. Uh, I think what an awesome opportunity God's going to speak. Uh, we're going to go through through First Peter and Second Peter, every single verse and I, I'm excited to see what he's going to say as we go through that study, uh, what an opportunity that is. So be in prayer for the whole thing. Uh, plan to be here for, for 5 o'clock for the uh, Western Burgers, and then, and then just, again, be diligent in inviting folks to join you uh, all the way through. I also want to remind you, out in the foyer, uh, there are the flash drives. Uh, those were, were paid for by a gift that someone gifted us. Uh, on those, there, there's a set that has the audio version of last year's 100 sermons, Uh, There's a set that has the video version. You can take those, plug them into a smart TV, plug them into a laptop. Uh, Some of the new smartphones, you can plug into those. Uh, Other places as well, some of the new cars. And you can listen to the sermons or you can watch the sermons on video. So those are available. If you want to grab one of those uh, for you, if you want to give one of those to your neighbor, to your coworker, if you want to mail some to somebody that you know, use them for Christmas presents, whatever, those are there. Uh, So be sure... And grab some of those. I'm going to start us off with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night. We're thankful for uh, the meal that we had tonight. We're thankful for the fellowship that we had. We're thankful uh, for the opportunity to come and gather together as your people tonight. Uh, We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. I I pray for our our kids' classes again every week. Uh, How important to be in the hearing of the Word of God, and the explanation, the study of the Word of God. And so I pray that a foundation is being laid, has been laid, and will be laid tonight that will endure uh, based upon the Word of God. And so I pray for those classes, those kids, I pray for our youth uh, that are meeting tonight as well, such a critical time uh, to to hear your truth. And so I pray that you would bless their lesson, their uh, Marco, as he teaches it, and those ears that hear and then the rest of our classes that are meeting tonight as well, be at the center of those uh, and speak and lead us and let us be wise to take in and to learn and to grow by your truth. And then I pray for us that I bless us in the study of your word. And I pray that it would bear much fruit. And we thank you for the opportunity. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're in week 31 already uh, in our Bible study, the grand scheme of things. It is a survey uh, starting in Genesis, going all the way to the book of Revelation, uh, all the way across the pages of Scripture. Uh, some of it goes pretty fast, some of it's in big chunks, uh, some of it's a little bit slower tonight. Uh, we, we have moved to 1 Kings chapter 1, uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and all of 1 Kings chapter 3. Again, that's our verse set for this week, uh, as, as every single week when we get there, I'm not able to go over all of those in our lesson uh, so you do well to read those and to, to, to think about them as you study them. That's the verse set, and then we're going to pull our lesson out of that uh, tonight. Our lesson's entitled, What's Wisdom Worth? What's Wisdom Worth? Key point for the lesson from your worksheet, godly wisdom is shown to be more valuable than any resource a person can possess. Wildly, what's available to Solomon is freely offered to us as well. All right. That's the, that's the key point. We're going to see that hashed out. Uh, we're going to see that as it unfolds in our verses tonight. Uh, we're going to start our first start, starting section is King Solomon. King uh, Solomon. There's a transition that takes place. Uh, there is a plot uh, by one of King David's son, Doja uh, to name himself as the successor to the throne. Uh, he starts that plan. He puts it into action. He says he should be the king. Um, That plan is foiled, it is stopped, and after that, Solomon is named and is anointed as the next king of Israel. So again, here's this guy, he believes he's the rightful heir, he sets that in motion, he's going to make himself king, basically, that that plan is stopped, and Solomon is named as king. I'm going to start off in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. We're going to look at several verses here. The king vowed and said, this is David, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress, surely as I vowed to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. I will indeed do this this day. Verse 31, then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated her face to the ground before the king and said, may my Lord King David live Forever, And then I'm going to go to verses 37 through 53. As the Lord had been with Solomon, as the Lord had been with my Lord the king, so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benani the son of Jehodiah, the Cherithites, and the Perithrites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Zadok the priest then took a horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then the trumpet blew and all the people said, long live King Solomon. All the people went up after him and the people were playing the flutes and rejoicing with great joy. So the earth shook at their noise. Now Jonah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, why is the city making such an uproar? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abithar, the high priest, came. Then Aj- Jonah said, Come in, for you are a valiant man and bring good news. But Jonathan replied to Jonah, No, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has also sent with him Zadok, the priest. Nathan the prophet, Ben and I, the son of Jehoiada, the Truthrites, and the Polithrites, and have made them ride on the king's mule. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him as king in Gihon. And so they have come up from there rejoicing, so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise which you have heard. Besides, Solomon has even taken his seat on the throne of the kingdom. Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord, King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon better than your name and his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. The king has also said thus, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted one to sit on my throne today while my own eyes see it. Then all the guests of Ajonah were terrified and they arose, each went his own way. And Ajonah went afraid of Solomon. And he rose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Now it was told Solomon, behold, a Jonah is afraid of King Solomon. For behold, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar saying, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Verse 52, Solomon said, if he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. But if wickedness is found in him, he will die. So King Solomon sent and they brought him down from the altar And he came and prostrated himself before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, go to your house. This guy had set himself up as king. He had started a dinner, a feast as the king. Uh, They hear the celebration of Solomon being uh, anointed as king. David sends Solomon. He rides on David's donkey, a sign that the power had transferred. Um, This guy responds in fear as guests Uh, They're in the wrong house, and so they respond in fear, and the transition takes place. All of that to say this. Think about David. David sins. Uh, David has the sin with Bathsheba. We've looked at that. Uh, He confesses that. Uh, He repents of that. But remember, God said there's still going to be consequences. The sword will not leave from your house. There's not going to be trouble that leaves uh, from your house, from your family. And so just, just a quick point out of that section, David was forgiven. Uh, he was right with God. He made himself, again, repentant before God. But notice this, the consequences still stood. Uh, the hurt the feelings still stood. Um, this family, this side of the family, this son, that son, uh, this general, uh, there's still conflict in Uh, their home as God said they would be. Well, that's the reality uh, for us tonight as well. You know what? God forgives us of our sin. And if we'll confess our sin, he's righteous and just. The Bible says to forgive us of our sin, cleansing us of all unrighteousness. But you know what? There's still consequences for sin. There's still trouble from sin. There's still hurt from sin. And so I think uh, we read that passage and we say, well, that's a historical account, and we might miss the, the truth. You know what? We would do well to understand. When we sin, yes, God will forgive us if we repent, but there's still consequences for sin. There's still heartache and trouble from sin. All right, the next section, tall orders. Tall orders. First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm going the way of all the earth. He's going to die. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. The picture here, as David is preparing to die, Uh, He has already named Solomon as king. As he is preparing to die, he gives very clear instructions uh, for Solomon to follow. Now, those instructions have a a promise with them that God's going to bless you. So if you'll do these things, God is going to bless you. If you'll do these things, God has said that you're going to be successful. Now, you, you read that section there. And the instructions can be summed up as simple as this. Be diligent to do exactly what God has said in his word. So David, David takes Solomon, says, be diligent, be careful to do exactly as God has said in his word, and you're gonna see success. God is going to bless that. Walking in obedience is gonna result in success. Now I want you to notice what it takes to submit to and then to carry out the word of God, really to just walk in obedience. He tells them, This is what you're gonna need, this is what you're gonna need to do, but he tells them here that you're gonna have to be strong, that you're gonna have to be a man. To walk in obedience is gonna require maturity and strength. Okay, here's God's word. He tells us, Here's what I say. Now, if you're gonna walk in it, it's gonna require maturity. And strength. Now, here's the question. I want you just to think about this tonight. Why does living in obedience to God's word require maturity and strength? And I thought about that for just a second. Why does it require those two things? Well, the first thing for strength is it is hard. It is tough. Now, you're going to have to go against the culture. I think about things happening right now around us. You're going to have to say, I'm going with God's word. I'm not going to go that way. It requires courage, it requires boldness, it requires strength. What about maturity? Why does it require maturity? And I I don't know if that's necessarily tied to age as it is experience. Here's the deal. As we learn to walk with God, and as we start the process of submitting to God, we actually start to see God's way is best. And so if God says, this is how you handle your finances, and we say, okay, I believe you, that's what I'm going to do, you start to see, well, God blesses that. That's actually true. When God says, okay, in your home, in your marriage, this is the way to proceed. This is how you treat each other. This is how you live as married people. We start to see, guess what? God blesses that. It's actually true. And so there's a level of maturity that happens As we walk with God, I think sometimes when we're new believers or we're immature believers, we think, yeah, but I can still try it my own way. Yeah, but I know a better way. Yeah, but God doesn't really care about this area. And we just go crashing in and do it our own way anyway. I think about this shouldn't it be different? Um, And I I think that's the, the blessing of a church. Shouldn't we be learning together? God's way's best. God's way's best. If God says it, let's do it. Well, what are we gonna do? We're gonna follow God's way. And then we're quick to walk in obedience. For some reason, that's hard. For some reason, we, we say we fight against that. For some reason, we think, well, I've got it from here, or God's not, no one's gonna tell me what to do. Um, we are to walk in obedience, still today. The best way to live is found in God's word, still today. But it requires maturity and strength to walk in God's word. All right, the next section, know your limitations. Know your limitations. First Kings chapter three, verses one through eight. Then Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were still sacrificing on the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and God said, ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day." Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. Listen to this. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to come out, to to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. All right, we see something here in this section of verses. Solomon is made king. His dad is the greatest king of Israel. His dad has a great uh, empire. His, his dad has all the successes. And now, following him, Solomon is made king. Here's how he could have approached his kingship he could have said, I know what to do. I've watched my dad. I've got all this stuff. I know how this works. And he could have approached the duties of his kingship with arrogance, with self reliance and with overconfidence. You ever watch somebody and they get a job, they get a new job, they get a promotion, and they think they know everything. And, and they show up and they, they, they know everything. And they, they, well, actually, we've been doing this 21 years and the best way is this. Oh, no, that, that's the old way, but I pity you. And they show up and they know everything. They're arrogant. They can't be trained because they know everything. That's not how Solomon shows up. He could have shown up and said, I'm the king, I'll tell you. Uh, he couldn't have, his advisors, he could have shut them down as generals. Uh, he could have come, come in with arrogance and overconfidence. But here's what he does. He says, I don't know anything. That's actually what he says. I haven't done this. This is a great nation. These are many people, and I don't know what to do here. All right, here's the question. I want you to think about this for a second. Do you think success in leadership comes from confidence or comes from humility? If there is a great leader, and I I don't care what the enterprise is, uh, a coach, a a business leader, a a political leader, uh, if there is a great leader, do you think success comes from confidence or humility? I I was looking at some stuff this week preparing this. Almost all the books I can find on leadership talk about confidence. Confident leaders. Build confidence. Build confidence in your kids and they'll grow into great leaders. All the self-help books. You got to be confident. You got to be confident. Start to notice here where there's a difference in God's plan and the world's plan. The the world says be self-reliant, be self-confident, promote yourself That's what the world says, and we see here God's plan actually says wise leadership comes in humility. Now, let me tell you why. That seems backwards. Well, I don't want some humble guy that that says, well, I don't know, I don't know. Um, But I want to show you why that's true. True humility, now this comes from God's system. True humility will result in great confidence in the Lord. Now, see, it's, he's not a bumbling idiot that says, I don't know, and nobody knows, and I'm going to put my head in the sand. He actually says, I don't know, but I know someone who does know. I don't know, but God knows. And so humility on his part drives him to seek God, to trust God, and to obey God. Let me tell you this. The greatest leader you're ever going to find in a church, in a home, in any other enterprise is going to be a person that says, I don't know, but I'm seeking God and I'm looking to God, and I'm going to follow and obey God. And when the world says, that's, hey, that doesn't make any sense. You're right. I don't know. But I'm seeking God, I'm looking to God, and I'm going to walk in obedience to God. That is God's structure for success and leadership. Not somebody that has false humility, but a person that understands their limitations, but also see where God answers, helps, strengthens, leads, and gives wisdom. So here he is. Hey, what do you want? What do you need? And he says, I don't know anything, but I'm going to turn and look to God. That's the recipe for success in leadership. All right, next section. Really pretty much uh, there's good stuff all the way through it. Pretty much the most important part of the lesson uh, coming up in this section. First Kings chapter three, verses nine through 15. What do you want? That's what God says. What do you ask? That's what God says. He says, I don't know anything. And so you give me wisdom in how to lead these people. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon asked him to ask this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I've done according to your words. He's granted it. He's given it to him. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like before you, nor shall one like you arise after you, the wisest person ever to live. I have also given you what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you of all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Verse 15, then Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. All right, God says anything you want, you can have. And he could have said, I wanna crush all my enemies, I wanna be a great military king. He could have said, I want all the treasury of the world, I want gold stacked up. But he says, I don't have it, but I want godly wisdom that I can discern, that I can judge, and that I can lead my people in a way that would honor God. I think it's interesting right here, and I think it's a a pretty interesting tie-in. The book of Proverbs repetitively tells us the value of godly wisdom. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. So we we come on Sunday nights uh, up until here recently and we study the book of Proverbs and it's actually God's wisdom given to us. And as we've studied that, we keep seeing uh, wisdom's worth more than silver or gold. Wisdom's worth more than silver or gold. Well, how crazy that the guy that asked for wisdom here, that's given wisdom here, is writing in Proverbs, wisdom is more valuable than silver or gold. King Solomon then reveals this to be true. Watch how he leads, and he reveals wisdom is the most important thing. When praying, he doesn't ask for armies, popularity, health. How many folks would say, it's got to be health. That's what we want. Riches, he asks for God's wisdom to rule the nation well. Now, I want you to see this, and this is where it becomes very uh, practical for us tonight, very important for us tonight. Notice when he asks that, God is pleased with his request. In fact, God is so happy, he says, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you the rest of the stuff you didn't ask for anyway. And notice this, God gladly gives him the wisdom. He doesn't say, well, that's too powerful for you. Uh, He doesn't say, well, no, you'll have to get it in stages. He gladly gives him the wisdom. God is glad, pleased to give him the wisdom. All right, here's where I want to make this practical for us tonight. Nothing has changed today. Listen to this. The greatest thing that we can possess today is godly wisdom. Listen, the greatest thing we can possess today is not paid off houses, not retirement accounts that are full, not health that will not fail. The greatest thing that we can possess is godly wisdom. And then here's the second part of that. And God still wants to give it to us. And God's still ready to give it to us. Um, James chapter one, verse five in the New Testament says this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now listen, this is the New Testament promise, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. To him, Listen, that's the same answer that Solomon received. If you will ask for wisdom, God, he says this, he'll give it to us generously, which means this, wisdom on top of wisdom on top of wisdom. He will cover you up in wisdom. And then he says without reproach. Now, that's an interesting thing. What that means is without making fun of you. Well, you're just dumb. Well, I knew you'd mess that up. Well, you never do get that right well, I can't believe you hadn't figured this out on your own. That's not what God does. God says, I'm glad you're asking. I'm glad you're looking to me, and I'm going to generously give you wisdom. So nothing has changed. That can be our story tonight. God, I need wisdom. I want to make great God-honoring decisions. And God says, if you'll ask, I will pour out wisdom on you generously and without reproach. All right, let me ask you this. And, and you can just think to yourself, or, or you can holler out loud, I don't care. Today, how do we actually value godly wisdom? Do we seek it? Do we go looking for it? Do we cherish it? Or do we think, well, that's nice. I want to go to heaven. That's a, that's a bonus. Do we really believe wisdom is the greatest thing to possess? Wouldn't you really have $10 million dollars? Wouldn't you rather have health that doesn't fail? Do we actually believe what God has said, that it's the greatest thing to possess? I want to do a a test case tonight. Um, I need four people, if you'll raise your hand, that would like a free gift tonight. I'm I'm serious. Shelly wants a free gift. Come on down. Dina loves a free gift. Come on down. Vicki wants a free gift. Come on down. She didn't raise her hand. I was calling on her. Gary, you want a free gift? Tony said she'll borrow it from you later. All right, y'all come on down. Make a line right here. Shelly's going to go first. She always is. All right, I have four gifts up here. They're real. These are gifts, and they're going to get them. But I'm going to let you go first, and then you'll go second, and you'll go third, and you'll go fourth, and you'll pick your gift. All right, so let me read the gifts, and, I, and you pick it. I'm not going to tell you. The first gift is this. 2023, year passed to the city of Vernon Municipal Pool. For you, your family, your kids and grandkids must be blood-related somehow. 2023, year passed to the city of Vernon Municipal Pool for you and your family. That's one gift. The second gift is this envelope that says great wisdom. And whatever fits in there, you can have great wisdom. This one says free cookies for life. There's a subscription service that has free cookies for life. We found it. We're going to pay that for the person that wants free cookies for life. That's a long time. And this one is, is a $50 bill. A fifty dollar, I'm not a fifty dollar bill. <laughs> you pick what gift you want. I think I want great wisdom. Alright, stand right over there with great wisdom. Don't open it yet. She's going with the City of Vernon for for next year. Cookies for Life, $50 bill. $50 bill, let's go. <laughs> Randall Oklahoma. And he's getting free cookies for life. All right, if you'll stop right there. Let me help y'all open these. Y'all just, let me help you open them. This is free cookies for life. Let me open it for you. Free cookies for life. You have received free cookies for life. Let me tell you about the cookies. They're gluten-free, sugar-free, butter-free, made with soybean meal and tofu. So it's not quite as good as it was, but that's that's your gift. <laughs> Congratulations. You can sit down. $50 bill. $50 bill for Vicky. In here is a $50 bill. Thought I was lying, didn't you? $50 bill, but it is a fake $50 bill. So you get a $50 bill... Now, don't try to spin that, you'll get arrested. <laughs> this is my favorite prize 2023 year pass to the City of Vernon Municipal Pool for you, your kids, and family grandkids. It says this Congratulations, you can experience the City of Vernon Wastewater Sewage Treatment Plant. There's a pool there. <laughs> For yourself, present this pass at the gate. You didn't tell me where. It was where <laughs> All right, this one is this one is great wisdom. Shelley chose great wisdom. Great wisdom. Oh, it's a quote from my dad. It says, "Don't take any wooden nickels." <laughs> That's great wisdom. Uh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. It's actually better now, Because you chose great wisdom, you're actually going to get the word of God. True wisdom. And if you'll bring this by the church office, we'll put your name on it. Okay. And that's yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the part of all of that. In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon writes that as well. He talks about things that look like something but really when you get to them, they, they're nothing. That's vanity. What is vain, it looks like something. And you think, here's my career. And you get there and you get done with it and go, that really wasn't what I thought. Here's this goal and you achieve it. And you say, that really wasn't what I thought. And he, he goes through and he builds libraries. He brings in great teachers. He has the best food. He plants vineyards of food that you can't get anywhere else. He has chariots and horses. He has singers and dancers and entertainers, people to tell him jokes. He actually gets all of the stuff, armies, castles, gold. And when he gets it all, he says, "It's nothing to it. It's really empty. Listen, of all those things, the only thing that's going to be better than what we thought is going to be the word of God. Always true, always on time. Always relevant. It is actually worth more than silver or gold. What if your marriage could be rock solid because it's built on God's truth? What if your finances could not be filled with stress because they're built on God's truth? What if your relationships didn't turn into jealousy and bitterness and craziness because they were built on God's truth? Just go down the list, go down the list, go down the list. It's actually the most valuable thing we can have is the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. But how do we have it? The wisdom of God. How do we have it? Here's what we do. We ask God. Holy Spirit inside of us is going to help show us. And then we go to the Word of God that records the wisdom of God. And I don't know why we don't believe that. I don't know why we think, well, that's too cliche, too easy. We read God's Word. We ask Him to give us wisdom. We ask Him to give us understanding. And he teaches us and he trains us and he teaches us and he trains us. Greatest gift, all those gifts, if they were real, the greatest gift you could get, the word of God giving us the wisdom of God. All right, a test case on our, on our worksheet, 1 Kings 3, 16 through 28. All right, he asks for wisdom, he gets wisdom. All right, guess what happens? Here's what happens. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. You've heard this story. The woman woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman, I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, for the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Now, notice that they're having the argument. They're not addressing Solomon. They're addressing each other. The argument happens in front of Solomon. Then the king said, this one says, this is my son who is living, and your son is, de- is the dead one. And the other says, no, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, give me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. The king said, divide the child in two, the living child in two, and give half to one and give half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God in him to administer justice. All right, this is one of the case, cases that comes before him. This is where his wisdom is known. Now I want you to see two things, and then, and then we're gonna be done. Two things. The first is this. First thing we see in that example is this. True love seeks the blessing of others, the life of others, even if it results in heartache for self. And that we just glean that from the, from the case what happens. True love seeks the blessing, the life. Don't kill the life. Don't destroy the life. Even if she has to walk out and spend a lifetime of heartache, spare the life. That picture is a picture of Jesus the suffering servant who comes for no sin of his own, suffers that we might live. That's the picture of Jesus. That's true love. The second point we see in this, and this is what we see in Solomon, the nation, and today we could just add whatever group we wanted there, the home, the church, the group, the nation is blessed when godly wisdom is its foundation and exists in its leadership. Now I want to talk about that for just a second. A nation is blessed, a church is blessed, a home is blessed when at the core of that thing, that unit, is the foundation of godly wisdom and a person leading in godly wisdom. In a home, if you've got a dad and he's the head of the home and he's seeking godly wisdom and operating according to that, that home is blessed. In a church, if you've got a pastor, that's seeking godly wisdom and operating godly wisdom in a nation. You got a nation that seeks godly wisdom and then carries it out walking in obedience. That group, nation, home, people, set is blessed when its foundation is godly wisdom and when godly wisdom exists in its leadership. Let me tell you why we're having so many problems in, in this year, in these years, in this decade. It's because our systems our groups, our governments, our schools, our homes, down to our people have quit operating according to God's wisdom and have quit following godly leaders and started going with the, the, the teachings and the truths of the world. You know what? God's never going to bless those things. You don't know when God works, when he moves, when he blesses, when there's peace, it's when the foundation of that unit, whatever it is, is built upon God's word and is led in godly, wise leadership. All that to say this, Proverbs on Sunday night. When getting, get wisdom. If you're going to do something, get godly wisdom. When getting, get wisdom. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for your truth, we're thankful for your word, we're thankful that you make it available for us. And I pray, Lord, tonight for a couple things. I pray that these in this room, these in the hearing of this lesson, these in the other classes as well would understand, you speak to us in your word, you lead us in your word, you tell us the truth in your word, you actually give us the best way to live help us to embrace that, help us to crave that, help us to study that, help us to, to speak that, to listen to that, and then let us be a people that look like you and in our obedience point to you. And then you tell us that'll be a blessing for us. Lord, I, I come tonight, I'm thankful for this lesson. I pray that we take it to heart, we think about it when we leave here tonight, um, that it makes a true impact. also pray, Lord, for, for the revival coming up I pray, Lord, that we would become fanatical about hearing the Word of God, about being shaped by the Word of God. We would would come with a sense of expectation, Lord, that you have a message for us. And I, I pray we wouldn't let the things of the world distract us from that. And I pray the fruit of that would be people would be grown, people would be blessed, people would be encouraged, faith would be strengthened. I pray for some that don't know Christ to be saved. And so we come and trust this event to you, Lord. And we ask that you would bless it, multiply, and use it. Lord, we again come and just tell you, you are gracious. You are good. You are kind. We love you, and we praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad you're here. Thank you.